Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet designers and co-authors Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, NYU professor Emily Balchettis, and novelist Janice Kaplan. When making a change, sometimes it's the little things that matter, sometimes it's the big ones. Step into the recording studio and hear what motivated each of these authors to write and record their audiobooks. Enjoy. Hi, this is Dave Evans. My name is Bill Burnett, co-author of Designing Your Work Life, How to Thrive and Change and Find Happiness at Work. I wrote this book with Dave because although I've had a great career and always found challenging work, most people really don't like their jobs. And designers like to solve problems, and this seemed like a really big problem, where design thinking might be a useful framework to help people redesign bad jobs and find enjoyment and happiness at work. I was inspired by talking to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of readers at book signings of our first book, Designing Your Life, and also getting thousands of emails on our website and through our newsletter for people telling us about bad jobs, bad bosses, bad companies. There are a lot of people who would like life to be better, but they don't want to change jobs or they don't want to move. They don't want to make a great big life redesign. They just want it to be a little bit better, you know, good enough for now. And so we found ourselves in a conversation going, gosh, it looks like we're onto something here. Where do we take this continuing conversation? What could a second book be? What are the questions people want help on? What are the different parts of life design that we started in the first book and need to be continued? And in our first book, we talked about the five mindsets of a designer. But in this book, we've added in a sixth mindset, which we call storytelling. Probably as human beings, we've been wired for storytelling from the time we stepped out of caves and sat around on a rock We're natural storytellers. We respond to stories, and stories really can change the way we think about things. It's really big in design because designers have to tell the story of the -the new-to-the-world thing they're inventing. But when you think about finding a job, there's a lot of storytelling in an interview, and there's a lot of storytelling just to create opportunities for yourself. So we teach people how to be great storytellers so that they can find opportunities that will really excite them. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be normal. I talk all the time. I love talking. My wife says if he's awake, he's talking. In fact, I'm really a talker, not a writer. I've been dragged kicking and screaming multiple times now into this thing called writing a book. I spent two years trying to talk Bill out of writing our first book because I'd rather just go run a workshop or teach a class or have office hours. If I had to describe it in one word, I'd say intense, because you sit in a room all by yourself with a wonderful producer talking to you and telling you to do it again, do it again, do it again. And you realize, I guess, how sloppy we are when we read and how we substitute words that aren't really there. And so it's been a very intense day and a half of trying to really, really pay attention to communicating what we wrote exactly the way we wrote it. You know, it's hard to talk very clearly and very specifically for a very long time reading exactly what is on the page. So your mouth just gets tired and your brain gets tired and everything just kind of starts to fall apart. 
We've had some great breaks and a really nice lunch, but before lunch, I think I was probably making an error every single sentence. The one word that I thought was a little tricky to pronounce that took me a couple of tries was provocateur. Our agent, Doug Abrams, we called him a provocateur, which is, I guess, a French word, or it's an anglicized French word. And I probably said that wrong about a dozen times. I'm pretty excited for people to hear my wife, Claudia, that day when I got to my car at 8 o'clock at night late and called home to confess I missed dinner one more time. I'm really excited for people to hear my wife say to me, oh, honey, you must be so happy. Concluding with the most important moral of that story is marry well. I am brilliantly married. My wife is fabulous. And just having even one chance to tell one story about what a massively wonderful wife I have is something I'm really proud of and really get some satisfaction out of doing. Well, I'm really excited about the way we've managed to take stories of people we know and people who've written us stories about their jobs and help them figure out how to re-engineer or redesign the job to be more satisfying, more engaging, more fun. And I'm really excited that people get to learn some new design tools that they could use for almost anything or any problem that they want to work on. If I wasn't going to record our audiobook with Dave, I would cast Jim Carrey because he does all these weird voices. So we have a lot of stories in the book, and I just read the stories as if they were quotes or, you know, John, John has this experience. But I could imagine Jim Carrey just like going off into some weird voice land and creating this montage of crazy characters. David Suchet, the guy that plays Poirot on the Masterpiece Theater series, I think he's brilliant. He's got a fabulous voice. If I couldn't do it, I'd be looking for David Suchet. I will listen to radio. I'll listen to podcasts. I'll listen to music. I'll listen to lectures. But when it's time for a book, I like a book to be a book. The last audiobook I listened to was Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. And it's a fascinating story of him growing up in South Africa. But it's also, you know, he's such a well-recognized voice and kind of a comic personality that hearing him read his book, it's a very intimate kind of uh, experience. Uh, you really do feel like you're growing up with Trevor. I generally listen to audiobooks on long airplane flights. It's a time when, you know, there's sort of nothing else to do. I don't want to watch a movie. I get to control, you know, the content. And I can kind of, you know, put on some nice headphones that are sound canceling and really get inside the narrative of a nice piece of fiction or an interesting book like Trevor Noah's. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. There's a sign over the design studio at Stanford that says, You are here. We love that sign so much that we made it a chapter title in our first book. The idea behind that sign is simple. Before you can figure out where you are going, you need to know where you are. And once you know and accept where you are, you can design your way to where you want to be. Are we there yet is different. Hi, this is Emily Belchettis, author of Clearer, Closer, Better, How Successful People See the World. I wrote this book because before having a child, I thought I had something to say based on the research that I had done and that I had been reading for decades about how to best accomplish our goals. Then I had a kid, 
And I was juggling a demanding full-time job, a brand new baby, moving my parents around, writing this book, still trying to enjoy life with my husband, Pete, you know, like adulting, like really adulting for the first time. I realized then that I personally needed to know the answers to these questions. How can I meet all of the goals that are important in my life on limited cognitive or physical resources? So that's really what inspired me, like the dedication says, Pete and Maddie, obviously. The book is about all the different things that we want to take on in our life, all the different kinds of people that we are and all the different kinds of people that we want to be. And as varied and eclectic as a picture that might be, some of the core problems that all of these facets of ourself experience share some pretty common core features. And the solutions to those also can have a lot in common. So this book really appreciates the diversity of the human experience and the beauty of all the different kinds of things we want to do and people that we want to become but can find some commonality among that diversity, too, highlighting some shared problems that we all experience with whatever we're trying to take on and four tactics that are available to us that we might not know about that can help us solve those challenges. If I had to describe the process of recording my audiobook in one word, it would be grumbly. I had no idea. My stomach makes so much noise. I thought by this stage in my life I had figured out all the things about my body that I would be self-conscious about, but I had no idea that that one should be added to the list. But really, I guess, inspiring. Inspiring for myself is really what it was. Besides playing drums, learning to play drums, writing this book was a huge challenge to myself, and I actually take a lot of pride in having finished the job and being able to deliver it as an audiobook to the listeners myself, I feel pretty proud of myself and inspired to take on the next challenge. Is there a word that I realized in reading the book aloud that I had no idea how to pronounce before? Yeah, and I think we can all guess what that one is. Let's see if I can test myself now. Phloxinoxoniapilification. Or something like that. So actually to say it, I had to turn it into a song and dance it out to get it to come out right and then say it about 50 times before it ended up on this recording. So hopefully right now it turned out okay. As listeners, you likely realize that I really only speak English. My attempts at rolling my R's probably are a dead giveaway about that. But what surprised me was that I'm not even that great with English itself. There were so many words that I have written so many times, but I guess I've never said aloud, that gave me great pause, that I second-guessed whether I even really knew how to say what I had read and written so many times in my life. So besides the obvious, there's a string of many, many others that I could have put as an answer to that question. My dream narrator, living or dead, if I wasn't able to do this myself— would definitely be David Sedaris, without a doubt. So maybe that seems like an unusual choice. There's lots of things about us that are different, but everything about his style is enviable. His unique voice in both his manner of speaking, but also his prose, the love he shows for his family and the stories he writes, his perfect use of irreverence to showcase that affection. I love that. One of the last great audiobooks I listened to is actually a collection of essays that's been out for some time, but just newly made it to my audiobook playlist. I was told there'd be cake by Sloane Crosley. 
I love her use of metaphors and the rhetorical allusions are just both impressive and hysterical, how she uses them in her writing. She's just an incredible author to try to emulate. She can and has told a story about an eccentric and slightly creepy collection of plastic ponies that she has maintained as an adult and the problem that she faced when figuring out where to stash them in a small starter apartment. The solution she figured out and writes about was a free ride for them around the world, Travelocity Gnome style, postage marked for return years later, only when Sloan has figured out how to afford a place that has an attic. It's priceless writing. I used to love listening to audiobooks on my commute, like I'm sure a lot of people do. I used to have commutes that were long enough that I really got to enjoy the books and enjoy the commute as a result. I got through a whole library of audiobooks back then. But now my commute is literally 89 steps door to door. I live in the building that's literally next door to where I work. 89 Emily-sized steps, I should clarify. I've got a short stride, so it's actually not that far. I spend longer waiting for the elevator down from my apartment and back up to my office than I do outside on the sidewalks. So my commute isn't the place where I get to get in a good listen anymore. So road trips, that's where it's at now. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. One summer, my research team asked more than 1,400 men and women from 16 countries which one of their five senses they would least like to lose. Which one would be the most difficult to live without if it were taken away? Regardless of where they were from, their age, or their gender, seven out of every ten people said that losing their sense of sight would be the worst. The majority thought they couldn't live without vision, but actually, they could. Hi, I'm Janice Kaplan, the author of The Genius of Women. I was inspired to write The Genius of Women after a survey that showed 90% of Americans believe that geniuses tend to be men. 90%. You can't get 90% of Americans to agree that they like chocolate ice cream. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, I would say fun and different. Okay, that's two words. And I know I had trouble with visited. Yeah, no, you but p- particular, particular popular, popular, popularizer is funnier, though. What was it? I discovered that I write a lot of big words that I don't actually know how to pronounce. But the biggest problem was with a very simple word. I couldn't say the word visited. Visited. Anyway, we ended up changing it to she came instead of she visit whatever. If I didn't record my audiobook, I would love to have Dr. Frances Arnold do it. She happens to be a chemist who won the Nobel Prize a year ago. She's not an actress, but I think she's a genius who can do anything. I listen to audiobooks all the time while I'm cooking. I guess it's because I don't really like cooking, and I do love books. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. Shortly after I turned nine years old, our family doctor warned my mother that I was reading too much. I remember looking at him completely baffled. Until then, my voracious love of books had been a point of family pride, but now my mother anxiously asked if all the reading was hurting my eyes. No, he said, the eyes were fine, but maybe I should spend some time participating in girlier activities. He worried that my excitement about books set in far-flung places and trumpeting new ideas could have unintended consequences. 
This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.